Stay informed and up to date. It's the Daily Maverick Show, Tuesdays, 1 to 2 p.m. on cliffcentral.com. Good afternoon. You're live on the Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. As usual, my name is Kingsley Kipuri, and I'm going to be with you for the next hour. Joined in studio by my usual partner in crime, Greg Nicholson, who's still, you know, dealing with the the, the, the experience he had watching Beyonce's visual album over the weekend, I think. Takes a while to process, Kingsley. <laughs> That's it. And we're joined in studio by somebody we've had on before, Lee Molefi, who's a creative strategist at Liberty Africa. Yow. Welcome back, Lee. You, hey, man. You went a bit rogue last time you were on, so we had to put you in the, in the naughty corner for a bit. Hey, man. You turned a five-minute segment into like a 40-minute monologue. So you're back well-behaved. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, right. I hope Lee, so. Lee's launching an incredible platform uh, together with Liberty and together with, with uh, the program or project called Voting is Power, and we'll be talking a bit about that later in the show. Before that, remember you can tweet us on at DM Shows ZA. I'm told we've just set up an Instagram account. I'm not, I'm not sure too much about that, but Greg is on the ones and twos on the, on the ground. What's, what is it? Is it also called at DM Show? No, this is the Daily Maverick Instagram. Oh, it's a Daily Maverick Instagram. Follow. Yeah, okay. Interact. Right. I don't know a whole lot about what goes on on Instagram, but Greg will, Greg will post fun things. <laughs> okay. Now finally to the show. Um, an issue that we haven't, you know, given as much airtime as we should have here on the show. I mean, we have on the site, but not here on the show. And that's the RU reference list, the Rose University reference list, and the protests that have come out since that. We've been following it on Twitter and trying to see what's going on. Protests that have come about as a result of rape culture, that 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 sort of the female and some of the, the LG, LGBTI students down at Rhodes are, are are protesting about and saying that. It's too much. Uh, there's the, the, mm. the, the patriarchy and the misogyny going on in their, in their university experiences is unbearable and enough is enough. So we've been seeing a lot about that going on and we said, you know what, we have to, we have to talk about this and we have to give it some airtime. Um, of course, it has to be said up front, it's three heterosexual male people in the studio talking yeah. about this and, and you know, that irony is not lost on us. But we said, you know what, we're here and, and we still, even as men and hetero men, with all the privilege that we have in this world, still need to talk about it. We can't shy away and say, you know, and we won't talk about it because it's orcs. So we're here and we're going to make it happen. Okay. First up, we will be talking to Mitchell Parker, the editor of Activate Online. Uh, Mitchell, can you hear us? Hmm. Okay, we'll just have our producers, Bongile, just working on the Skype, um, on the Skype back end of what's going on here. Um, Lee, I'd love to start with you or perhaps Greg. Um, is this something you've been watching? I've been following it um, on, on social media and some of the news reports. And I think Activate Online, the... The sort of independent student uh, newspaper has done a fantastic job, and that's why we got Mitchell, the editor, on. Um, and I think it's really one to follow. They've been they've been really posting a lot of a lot of tweets, uh, videos, as well as on their site. <coughs> you can you can learn a lot about what's going on uh, down in Grahamstown from there. Okay, I think we're now good to go. Mitchell, can you hear us? I can hear you. Okay, yeah. perfect. As can mentioned, you hear me? yes, absolutely. This is yes. Mitchell Parker, editor of yes. Activate Online, independent student news source. Now, Mitchell, Greg was just saying, uh, you know, just just how high the quality is of, of reporting and coverage coming from Activate has been, and we haven't given it as much attention as we should on our show. And we'd love if you could just start by giving us some context on the protests. Was it just a spontaneous reaction to something that happened, or was it a build-up? What could you just give us some context on how we got here? Okay, so it's a bit of a, a complicated issue. So at Rhodes every year, um, this year will be the 10th year that will be happening, there's a thing called the Silent Protest, mm. um, which is a, a yearly kind of show of solidarity with, with victims and survivors of sexual abuse, sexual assault, um, and other such kind of sexual crimes. Um, so the conversation's been happening for a while. Um, we did also see a couple of weeks ago uh, an organization called Chapter 212, mm. um, they put up a poster campaign basically uh, speaking to the way in which the university deals with rape and sexual assault cases um, within the space. Um, so putting up quotes from, you know, university prosecutors of them saying things like, are you sure you want to really go forward with this? You know, you're going to ruin his reputation. Um, what were you drinking? What were you wearing? That kind of stuff. So there's, it, it's been a, it's been a conversation that's been ongoing for a while um, at Rhodes. Um, but it was all sparked by, and this is kind of where the hashtag comes from, the, the reference list, um, was posted anonymously on a, one of our confessions pages that's, that has since been taken down, mm. um, and was then shared to our SRC page of a list of 11, um, accused, um, perpetrators of, of sexual violence. Mm. Um, and basically from there, 
um, we've seen this evolve into into the into the mass protest, the mass demonstration that we've seen today. Okay, I mean, I hear you, and and and, uh, and another big complaint, and you've mentioned it through the you know your mentioning of the of the quotes that are being put up of how this is received, and a big complaint seems to be the university's handling of sexual abuse claims, not only in the past but also the, their response to these protests. Could you just give us a bit more detail on how sexual abuse and, and and claims of that and accusations of that have been dealt by the university in the past? Well, I think the thing is is that what we've seen is that. For the most part, there have been a lot of people who've come forward and have said, I've tried to bring my case to Rhodes mm. to say, look, I don't want the person who's perpetrated this crime um, against me in the same space as me. So these are people who are having to deal with having people who have done horrific things to them in the in their lectures with them, in their residences with them, in their dining halls, um, just on the same campus as them, because we are quite a small campus. Mm. Um and in a lot of cases that have that have kind of come up, um, and this is again what the chapter two one two campaign has tried to bring to light, is that the university has basically really not done much, um, because I think one of the big issues in terms of our policy is that you have to prove intent, mm-hmm. um, and proving intent in terms of rape is a very difficult thing to to then prove. Um, so I know there were two cases that have been reported this year at Rhodes, um, and that's just the reported cases, yeah. one of which was then dropped um, simply because proving intent was too difficult. Um, so that's that's the one thing. The second thing is then also just the way in which the individuals are then dealing, um, the individuals who are in charge of um, trying to go through these cases, um, the proctors and the prosecutors, mm. the kind of lack of tact, the lack of engagement that they have um the lack of humanity arguably um with these people that are going through such difficult times in their lives um that you know they're basically just really denying them and kind of protecting the accused as opposed to you know comforting those who are accusing um so i think that's the one thing um i know that there are policy reviews that are underway and that Mm. there are long-term kind of institutional changes that need to be changed um and made um but i think for the most part it's um, to a large degree, just the people themselves not actually following through, making sure that things are happening, and really getting stuff done. I mean, I hear you, Mitchell. And I'd like to just zoom in on on the reference list itself a lot. I mean, it's the name of the yeah. the hashtag, and it's what a lot of people are hearing about first is the list. Um, just give us some detail on on where exactly it came from and how it got to the page. As you mentioned, it was shared, and also just the different opinions of some people who and how they are responding to the the publication of the list. So in terms of the reference list, um, it was posted on, um, I'm going to have to paraphrase the name of the page um, because it's since been deleted, but basically a a Rhodes Queer Confessions Comments Concerns page. Um, Just a list of names. It didn't in in any way kind of say these people are Mm. guilty of crimes, Um, but it was a list of names that we've kind of had seen through kind of discussions on Twitter and that kind of stuff over the past couple of weeks that it just kept on kind of coming to the surface. Mm. Um, so when it was shared, someone took a screenshot of it and posted it on our SRC page, which is quite active. Mm. Um, people immediately went, mm, okay, we know what this is. We know, we know what this is about. Um, and as such, then people, people tried to take action in terms of that. Um, so we don't know who posted it. We have, we have no idea um, who's behind it. Um, but I think the reactions to it have been twofold. So there's there's the general legal perspective, which is one that you know it's it's taking away in a the person's ability to you know really be innocent before being found guilty, mm-hmm. and that there's the whole legal perspective about how it's arguably defamation and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the more predominant view, um, at least in the conversations that I've had, is that although perhaps unfair. Um, it has brought to light and has, you know, given people validation where they previously didn't have it. So I've, I've personally had conversations with people who've said, finally, I'm, I'm validated because the person that, you know, did this thing to me, his name was on the list. Mm. Um, there was even a, even a case um, reportedly where one of the people on the list um, went through the whole procedure um, through roads and, you know, going through the whole prosecution um, and was given community service hours um, mm-hmm. instead of being, you know, excluded. Um, and you know, I think if I'm not mistaken, the minimum sentence for something like rape is 10 years in prison to be given 
community service hours where you basically have to work in the kitchens and like clean plates and put stuff away, there's a bit of a disconnect there. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it, it, it's people, people think it's good, um, in that it's sparked a debate, but some people are a little bit hesitant in terms of the legalities of it. But I think, um, for the most part, it's been a positive reaction. Um, I mean, thanks for saying that. So I think we're all sort of just hearing this community service sort of aspect now, all just kind of taking a step back and saying, you know, what the hell? Yeah. Um, no, exactly. Just just moving on from the list itself. I mean, I think a lot of the, the images we've been receiving are centered around the protests themselves. And there's been a lot of sharing yeah. of images of the topless protests and the images of, of the police interacting with the interacting. That's a very that's a beautiful euphemism, but with the protest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and a lot of people are saying yeah. there's been a you know, use of excessive force in how they're actually treating the, the, the protesting yeah. students. Um, is that, has that been your sort of what you've been observing down there? Um, I know, for example, one of the members of my team um, was actually arrested um, by by the police on, on the one day, um, and it's it's just been an interesting on the Wednesday. It's been it's been an interesting thing to see, just in the sense that the way in which it was handled during Feastmas Fall and the way in which we're seeing it now is very different. So during Feastmas Fall, barricades were allowed. We were very much allowed to be active on campus, whereas now. You know, we have an interdict against us. Um, we're basically not really allowed to do anything. Um, we can, you know, in inverted commas, per- protest peacefully. But what that essentially means is there's nothing much that we can do to really get management's attention. Mm. Um, but in terms of the police interaction, um, I think it's all been kind of based on of technicalities that they've been legitimately, in, again, in inverted commas, able to kind of confront students. Um so what the what the six people that were arrested and then I think it was later five because the one had actually had a panic attack um, in the police in the police van was then mm. taken to hospital mm. um, was charged with obstructing a public road um, a public road which separates different parts of our campus um, so it wasn't that they were protesting um, in any particular violent way because that hasn't been my view or anyone's view really. Um, of the protest at all, it's been it's been it's been peaceful as is as is the case at Rhodes mm. um, and was during Peacemas Fall as well. Um, but I was there when there was the the main clash between police and protesters, um, and it just it was it was truly it it was insane to kind of put mm. it in any other term um, to watch police you know students kind of going raising their hands going we're doing nothing we're just standing here. We're trying to make change and to have police, you know, do stun grenades and fire rubber bullets and, you know, those those kind of things very, very peacefully. Um, well, the students being very peaceful um, and then the police responding with such aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, I mean, so, sorry, Mitchell, to cut you off there. We're just we're just yeah. running a little bit out of time. Um, I'm just wondering, yeah. so from your perspective, and I'm sure you've probably thought about this quite a lot, what yeah. what is the role of the media there and both the media, the student media on campus and the broader sort of provincial and national media? Um, and what are the sort of sensitivities that, that you have to weigh up when you're covering these issues? Well, I think there's a, there's a number of things there. I think the first is is that for us as Activates, we're making sure that people are informed as to what, what is happening. So there are a lot of people who have been very triggered by these protests, who have found themselves unable to leave their rooms, who are unable to really engage in the protests in the way that they'd want to be. Um, so informing students as to what's happening um, so that everyone is on the same page in terms of collective knowledge. Um, so, so, you know, sharing of information is number one. I think number two um, is the more media attention. And I think this speaks to both kind of in terms of student media and on a national level as well. Um, is the more media attention that comes to things like this, the more it kind of stays in the public discussion space. Um, and the more people question and ask themselves, you know, where do they stand in terms of rape culture and ask themselves very critical questions. So, I mean, I myself, um, as a male, sat there and thought, you know, crisis, what if, you know, I've had a sexual interaction and, and someone, and I, and I wasn't as careful as I should have been, um, and it made me question all of my previous sexual interactions. Um, and even though I am, I'm very certain that, you know, that I'm, I'm not guilty in any, in any form, um, it made me suddenly reflect on the way in which we need to be dealing with these, sec- these situations and how we need to then think about those kind of interactions. Um, 
So I think the media has an important role to play in, in trying to promote that kind of conversation. But I think also considering, and, and this is, this is, I guess, more of a personal view, but because of the way in which um, the institution is somewhat silent students, I think it's very important for the media to, to put the spotlight on the university and ask the tough questions um, in lieu of the students who can't now use their voices. Um, so, for example, I can tweet as much as I want about, you know, what's happening and the, the nature of rape culture and, and that kind of stuff. And it won't go against the interdict that the university has got against us. Um, and I think that's there's, there's something powerful there that, mm. that you know, it, it's promoting that kind of a conversation. Okay. Mitchell, thank you so much. Please keep, please keep up the excellent work down there. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much. Fantastic. If you're just tuning in, it's the Daily Mavic Show on Cliff Central. We're talking about the hashtag RU reference list protests happening down at the university currently known as Rhodes. We're just chatting to Mitchell Parker, <laughs> the editor of Activate Online. Next up, we'll be speaking to Sophie Mjuara, a third-year politics and economics student who's part of the RU reference list. Um, Sophie, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Perfect. I know you've been on hold for a while. Thanks for being patient with us, Sophie. Sure. Okay. Sophie, I'd love if you could just start by telling us, you know, your involvement in, in, in this, in these protests and, and perhaps how the, 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 what we're hearing as being a consistent rape culture down at Rhodes has led or culminated in the protests that are happening right now. Um, so the protest started last week, Sunday, um, because there was an anonymous list of them called the RU reference list. Mm-hmm. Um, that was um, distributed on Facebook, and the reference list didn't say why these people all clumped together, but basically because a lot of the people on the list are known by members of the Rhodes community mm-hmm. as um, as perpetrators, mm-hmm. as people who have sexually assaulted others. So it started from that, and it just led to us demonstrating our unhappiness with how management and the university deals with cases of rape and sexual assault. And I hear you, Sophie, and uh, I'm, I'm curious about the sort of the build-up before the list, and, and I'm not sure the exact question is here, but what... Has this has the 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 patriarchy and the misogyny and the rape culture at Rhodes has that been something that's been bubbling for a while? Was that what 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 was the experience of the of the average sort of I suppose female student at Rhodes prior to the list being leaked? Um, it has been bubbling up for a while, and okay. I think that's why we saw the escalation that we did last mm. week mm. Um, with students protesting naked and that, that kind of thing because we're tired. We're tired of not feeling safe on our campus because, to be honest, majority of us don't um and it's just it's a culture that does perpetuate rape culture and does perpetuate a whole lot of the problematic things that Mm. we need to deal with in our society Mm. and i think that's why people have been as angry and as emotional about it because it's not something that just came up with some list it's something that we've been dealing with Mm. for a long time Mm. and i hear you sophie and I mean, I'm, I'm curious what you say to people who say, you know what, the, this is a societal thing. It's a South African problem that we've been facing. And it's, and they're saying it's unfair to place the burden on roads management to fix this. If the whole country hasn't been able to find a way to fix this, this idea of sexual violence and sexual abuse. What do you say to that? Um, in all honesty, yes, it is an issue that we do need to deal with in the country. But at the same time, what we're trying to achieve here is that roads changes its policies. Because at the moment they're insufficient and they are protecting the perpetrators instead of being there and supporting the survivors of rape and sexual abuse. Mm. So while, yes, it is a huge issue that we do need to deal with as a South African society, not just as students at this university, but we're trying to change what we can at the moment, which is hopefully that the policies are changed. And Sophie, in your efforts to have these policies changed, can you just tell us a little bit, a little bit about what uh, your specific sort of demands on on these, uh, what you'd like to see in terms of the policy changes, and some of the strategies um, to achieve that? Um, well, the main uh, demand that hasn't been met by management at the moment is that we want them to suspend the students that were listed on the reference list. Hmm because we don't think it's fair that survivors are forced to cower in their rooms um, because they fear seeing their perpetrator every day. We don't think it's fair 
that these perpetrators carry on with life as if like nothing's happened. <clears throat> and there was a um, there was a demonstration that happened. I think it was two weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. Mm where there were posters put up um, under the hashtag chapter 212. Yeah, yeah. And that was based on the things that management has said um, to people who have come forward, because one of the things that they did say to us is that we're not getting people coming and reporting to us. But then when you go and report, some of the things that have been said are, are you sure you want to go through with this? You'll damage his reputation, that kind of stuff. So we find that completely unacceptable. It's completely unacceptable, and they need to change it. So we are at the moment just trying because they've got an interdict taken out against us, mm. against anybody that associates themselves with any kind of what they call unlawful activity, which yep. includes barricading the university, disrupting lectures, and that kind of stuff. Mm. But then the problem is that because we can't use methods that have been known in the past to force them to change, at the moment we are embarking on campaigns that don't do any of those things. So we haven't been barricading this week. We haven't been disrupting any lectures except yesterday. Um, one of the things that we did do is go into our individual lectures and try and get the conversation to happen in that lecture mm. about rape culture, about the events of last week, because management is trying to get us to carry on with business as usual, but we can't do that. Not after last week, not after the fact that they haven't addressed our demands, not after the fact that they're unwilling to come and speak to us even at this stage. So we are doing things like that today. There was um, a whole lot of posters that have been put up under the hashtag um, there's are you interdict, are you referenceless, and I am one in three. Yeah. And those will put up all over campus um, to try and bring awareness to the issue of rape culture and to the fact that we will not be silenced by management and we have not stopped fighting and we will not until we accomplish what we want to accomplish. Has has the the support you've re received? I've seen a lot of uh, support in in the media and on social media from people all over the country and even even some over the continent and the world. Is that spurring you on to really sort of dig in your heels and make sure that this campaign leads to meaningful change? Yeah, I do. I think that the support is very necessary because it also shows our management that we aren't being crazy, we aren't being disruptive just for no reason, that this is an issue that a lot of people feel very strongly about. And I also think that this issue isn't, yes, at the moment it is specific to roads and the conversation is about roads, but this issue isn't only here. It's at campuses all across the country, it's at yeah. campuses all across the world. So it is something that we do need to deal with because it can't carry on like this. Right. And I mean... You know, and, and I love that you say that because, you know, also, I guess, importantly, it's, it's also about it not just being about in university to the movement, right? And yeah. how, how often rape culture is, is so pervasive. And, and to, to, to quickly reference what I think Mitchell was saying a little earlier, often males undertake behavior that they think is normal and that they think yeah. is okay, but which is actually um, very, really, I mean, really problematic. I mean, I, I was reading something by one Elisa Tlava and, and, you know, when she was talking about how, um, clubs, um, allowing, you know, I mean, literally something that seems as, that may seem to most people as unproblematic as saying women get in free until a certain time. That in itself yeah. reinforces rape culture. Yeah. Um, Sophie, I'm curious about, um, about the conversations, you know, are you reference list is having around student movements and flat structures. So some of the criticisms we've had post Rose must fall and post fees must fall is around the student movements and the flat structures and how it's been difficult to identify the direction and the leadership and who's doing what and what's where because of an emphasis of a structure being flat, uh, flat, sorry, and the emphasis on it being a collective, you know, one voice. Is that something that is being discussed as you guys mobilize? Is that a concern you have or is that something that you, you're finding that you're overcoming? Um, yeah, we, at the beginning of the protest, mm. we set up a task team that we elected as a student body, which I'm currently a part of. Um, and this task team is basically um, dealing with organization of the movement and facilitating all of the discussions that have been happening, facilitating meetings to try and find out what it is that the student body who are concerned 
want from this because we can't forget that there is a large amount of the student population here that really doesn't care at mm. all. They are very apathetic to what we're doing and we've faced a lot of anger from them as well, asking why we're disrupting lectures and all of those things. So that the task team is there to try and mm. make sure that we do have a clear direction and that we do have a clear path. Now, Sophie, uh, before we let you go, because we're sort of um, running a little bit out of time, but what do you say to those those students at Rhodes who, who are apathetic and don't care, and also the many people around the country who, you know, dismiss these protests and and just really don't care? What, what would you say to those people? They need to read. They need to read up on this issue because it's not something that only the people who have experienced it or whose loved ones experience it can fight. Because at this at this moment, that seems to be what it is here on the campus, um, and they need to listen to us because that's mainly what we need. We need people to listen to us and to hear us and to acknowledge what we're saying. Okay, Sophie, thank you so much. Um, you know, we're supporting you however we can, and, and please, please keep up the excellent work down there. Thank you. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Just tuning in, it's the Daily Maverick Show on CliffCentral.com. Talk about the RU reference list, and we just spoke to the editor of uh, Activate Online, and we spoke with also Sophie Mjuara, who's part of the task team down there, working on, on, on how to end rape culture down at Rhodes. We went to a short break, and then we'll be right back. When it comes to foreign investment, what is and what isn't allowed? What happens to your overseas money when you die? With the changes regarding overseas funds and how SARS treats you if you're a South African taxpayer, St. James Global has the answers for you. They've been doing this for years and focus on preserving and protecting offshore wealth as well as creating succession planning structures. Make sure your worldwide assets pass on into the future. Go to stjamesglobal.com for more information. That's stjamesglobal.com. Your independent wealth managers. St. James Global is an authorized financial services provider. Hello, young Jim. It's me. You, 15 years from now. Oh, you're so old. Shh, child. I have news from the future. Okay. It's something they call motherhood. Kids, that's, that's not really my thing. And yet you'll have three of them. What kind of person has three children? The kind who uses her evening bag to catch the hot, chunky flow of a child's vomit. That is disgusting. Oh, you'll be too tired to care. And you've inhaled a lot of craft glue over the years. And why would I do that? To build a replica of the Roman Empire out of egg boxes, among other things. <sighs> not gonna happen. I will never stop partying. No, you will go to parties. Princess parties, pirate parties, parties with inflatable castles, and chatty parents named Barry and Debs. No. Yes. And then one sad day, you and your husband will stop closing the toilet door, and a romance will slip silently away through that door. This is your future, Jim. Don't wait until it's too late. Visit studentflights.co.za and travel before it's not fun anymore. informed and up to date it's the daily maverick show tuesdays 1 to 2 p.m on cliffcentral.com good afternoon you're back with us on the daily maverick show on cliffcentral.com just about halfway through what's been really you know really emotional show but a really important one we're talking about um what's going on at, down at roads and the, and the protests we've seen recently over the past couple of weeks around the misogyny and patriarchy and rape culture um, that that's happening down at that roads and we've got you know, female protesters and a lot of students that are that are saying enough is enough, and that they're they're often um, victims of sexual abuse um, by by fellow students, by by lecturers, by tutors, by other staff members, and when they try to report these things, the response is really you're on your own. Um, and and we have people saying enough is enough, so we're really chatting to people down there in roads to, to to let us know exactly what's going on on the ground and, and hear their perspectives. Next up, we'll be speaking to third year journalism and media studies student Anima McBrown. Anima, can you hear us? Hello, I can hear you. Okay, perfect. Uh, Anima, Anima, um, I mean we've you know spoke to some other students down there and spoke to somebody down at Activate uh, who's been reporting on this. And Anima, we'd just like to hear you know your perspective. I think the 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 
the focus on this for RC and Gauteng in different parts of the country and around the world really started with the reference list. But what we're hearing yeah. is that this has been around there, you know, long before. So I'd love if you could just give us an idea of what your experience of, of rape culture down at Rhodes has been prior to the to the reference list. Well, look, it's, it's, it's all about the, the relationships that we right? The interactions we encountered on a basic level. Um, how are women relating to the men that sit next to them in lectures, the men that sit out on dates, or the men that they meet in clubs? I think before the RU reference list came out, mm. we were all feeling that we need to reassess some of those interactions and encounters. Because some of them are uncomfortable. Some of them, of course, lead to things that uh, would constitute crimes and injustice. But there's been, there's been for a long time coming, a sort of uh, something bubbling under, you know, the big the big R word, the big rape word. Yeah. And I think our reference list then allowed for all of those reactions to come out and be displayed um, latency for everyone to have to um, uh, confront. Absolutely, Anim. And you've been you've been you've been writing about this and trying to to sort of be part of the movement and sorry Greg want to jump in there sorry, sorry yeah. anyway I think um, I was telling Kingsley beforehand yeah. uh, when we went on air that yeah. you actually haven't been writing okay. about this because you found it so difficult and um, yeah. can you just tell us a little bit about that process about your your I understand you have a blog and you're a journalism student and, and writing something that you do but you're telling me that it's something that's been quite difficult for you to engage with yeah well that's the thing it's a topic this big and, and this serious whether, whether you like it or not, and we all have to admit, it does hit home, right? Now, it just depends how close it is. For me, it's pretty close. Um, and it's been very difficult to have to uh, engage as with my journalist hat on or with my writer hat on um, or just as, as one of um, the students that are supposed to be um, supposed to be reporting and um, finding out how other people are reacting to this. It's, 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 it's more personal. And I think in that regard, it's, it's been kind of like a, you know, a bit of a, a toss-up. If I do put pen to paper, what do I say? Because I'm writing from a very different place. Um, and so it's very difficult to engage. Of course, I've been involved in conversations with, um, for example, the lady that I live with or with my, my fellow um, students in class. But to actually to actually say this is an article by Nia McBrown, that's been the challenge because, like I say, it's close to home, it's personal. And I'm having to re-deal with having had... Um, really close encounters with something as serious as sexual violence. Hmm. And and what are the conversations that are happening down there at the moment? Um, is it... Uh, are, are people talking and sort of about their own experiences and, and how they can um, perhaps change this? Or can you just give us a sense of well, what's the feeling like amongst different students? And Because it sort of seems hard, I think, from here to understand... While while there is sort of such a pivotal protest over uh, such an intense issue, how, yeah. how how you know how what do you talk about? Like, I think well, there's been a range of discussions from mm. from different parts of campus. But I think what was most shocking for me personally was some of the reactions from our male counterparts. Mm. So, um, if you were following the Road SRC page, which has been um, uh, really hot, you know, lately, some some men in private and public conversations have been, uh, you know, passing some really problematic comments. So basically, these allude to the fact that in terms of the way that men think, okay, which obviously is in terms of how they act, the notion that they hold, they argue, right, what we are calling the rape culture, where it stems from, that's the problem, because um, the misogyny comes through, um, the, the deep and problematic controls of, of patriarchy, this idea that Ultimately, uh, women are there for your pleasure, that they, they're saying that they owe you, that part of their body you have a right to. That's been disappointing for me personally, hearing, you know, the humdrum along along those lines coming from men. Because I was expecting for men my age to be of a different thinking. Mm. When you are, when you have the luxury of being a trained mind, you're supposed to be conceptualizing things very differently from, from the average man in the street. Not to belittle, you know, um, not to belittle that, but I mean... Being in this space, you have the resources. You you're in a different you're in a different category altogether. But to hear the same kind of misogynistic and, and uh, problematic statements coming from men has been uh, a part of the conversation, which I think needs to be addressed. Well, um, so Anima, I, I I just wonder, do you think this was a natural progression? This was a natural evolution for the student movements and 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 um, and, and what they would cover? Because I, you know, when I think back to last year. 
um, uh-huh. patriarchy must fall uh, kind of emerged even within the fees must fall movement. Yeah. I mean, as led yeah. by Bonzo Plani at the time, was it you know is is, is it a natural progression? I'm so rephrase that to me. Is what a natural progression? The 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 tackling of rape culture. Right, right. Like head on as opposed to as a as a subunit of a wider student movement. But I think ever since from from last year when when you know the the school movement started to gain steam, I think that's when um, young people and women especially were realizing their role to play in changing things. Mm-hmm. So um, was last year you know the beginning of, of of more of more to come. When I say more, I mean just the, the speaking up and speaking out. I definitely think so. But um, um, issues like this at road that we're dealing with, with rape and rape culture, um, I think there has been a long time coming because um, there have been uh, alumni who have, who have expressed that back in their day, you know, this was something that was not spoken about. You might, you might experience, you might go through, you might witness, but you just don't talk about it. So, I mean, the wheel is turning, and, and now we're faced with, with young people who are frustrated and angry um, and confused enough to want to to want to deal, to want to take it to you know the core of of the problem, and that involves if that involves protesting, then yes. But it's basically about saying we're we're here and and we're 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 alert, we're alive, we're we're awake, and we want to get to down to bottom of things, and that's what this is. Mm-hmm. And Emma, are you positive that this will? Do you feel positive that this will lead to a a tackling of these issues? And a change. I, um, I do. I do. I have to feel positive. I mean, um, I think I would I'd go absolutely insane if I was in this space and, and thinking that even though I'm here and, and this is going on, nothing is going to come, come of it. Hmm. Um, there's, there's, there's a chance and opportunity for, and I stress again, for men in particular, hmm. start having very serious conversations. Hmm. There's a chance and opportunity for management to rethink the system from the ground up. It's the way our residents, uh, how our residents, um, our residents work. It's the way that uh, you know the university structures are put in place, the rules that govern um, certain things, definitions that we put um, next to certain words. That that's what needs to be addressed. And I, I do have um, a lot of a lot of hope for for that um, to, to take place. Anima, sorry, I, th- um, I think we, we sound like we're wrapping it up, but I just want to squeeze in one more question. I mean, you mentioned yeah, sure. you mentioned um, that men need to have these important conversations. You mentioned some yeah. troubling comments by, by men down there at Rhodes. And I'm curious yeah. about this idea of, of having allies. I mean, it's something that came up in a big way during Fees Must Fall, mm-hmm. and, and we start having conversations about intersectionality. Are you? Is yeah. your perspective that the idea of allies is still something that that can happen in in the current movement? Can do you think men and heterosexual male actually have a role to play? Can they actually oh, genuinely be allies if they benefit from the system as it is now? What do you think? Of course. Look, um, um, you see this, Kaiser, who I look up to, mm. wrote an article for IOL where he said that men and not the court um, essentially must end rape culture, and that's very true. Um, Activate um, online. One of our students, uh, student press, um, initiated a, a conversation called "Roads Dies Chat" um, with the hashtag "Are references of course, mm. and it features men sitting around casually. You know, you know, it's not scripted in any way, but men sitting around in a circle and, and talking about some of the issues that they've experienced um, and been involved in that and that have got to do intricately with what we're, what we're dealing with at this at this stage, and. I mean, it's as simple as that. They have to be the ones who are are in control of of making choices to partake in in the conversation. Um, it, it is them that need to get um, real. You know, terms of urban speak, they need to get real with themselves and and address the role that they have to play because they are the problem and they are the solution. So, in terms of allies, of course, we need men to be spearheading conversations, but they must not think that they're going to have conversations without us. We need to be included mm. in our bodies, right? We, at the end of the day, we are the biggest victims. It's got to be, it's got to be a partnership, definitely. Anima, I couldn't put it any better myself. Thank you so much for chatting to us. Thank you for having me. Okay, perfect. If you're just tuning in, it's a Daily Maverick show. We're just talking about the RU reference list protests happening down...
the university currently known as Rhodes. We'll be swapping over to a, a blogger and student down at Rhodes, um, Pumelelo Matake. Um, Pumelelo, can you hear us? Pumelelo? Hi there. Okay, perfect. Can you hear us okay? Yes, I can. Okay. Pumelelo, I mean, you're down there, you know, on the ground um, at Rhodes, and I'm... We were just chatting to another student there, Nima McBrown, about this idea of having allies and whether men and heterosexual men and other people who, who you know, who are, who are down at the roads that are not, you know, black women who have been at the center of this movement and whether that they can genuinely be part of dismantling the rape culture and the patriarchy we're, we're seeing or hearing about down at the roads. And, and I'm curious what your take on that is. So are you asking about the 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 relevance or the concept rather of having allies and how allies possibly aid the movement. Is that your question? Yes. Well, I think the, uh, the allies that we speak about in this present time and moment are the men. So what's happening on the ground right now here at Rose University is that men are coming to the ground, uh, men are coming to the conversations, men are, 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 are slowly but surely opening themselves um, to the dialogue. But what's missing is accountability. Men are not yet prepared to say that we perpetuate rape, rape culture, we perpetuate sexual violence, and these are the ways that we perpetuate them, or these are the ways that we acknowledge ourselves to perpetuate them. Um, and to add on to that, there, there is an absence, a very unfortunate um, absence of white men in particular um, from the conversation and from mm. the movement itself. Um, and in, in addition to that, this is how you know that what's going on right now at Rose University, this is how you know that not only is this about race, sexual violence, and just the culture of sexual violence and violence in general, but this is all a part of the decolonizing project. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you sort of laid out sort of the different people who are present and sort of not present in that. Um, how preoccupied do you think the movement should be with trying to make it inclusive for everybody to be part of the solution? Or is that, do you see that as being perhaps a distraction from what the focus should actually be? No, it's, it's not the movement's responsibility to make it inclusive. I think people who are not present from the movement know that they are not present, um, but also know that they are not present on their own accord. Um, I think what, what, what maybe discourages people from participating in the protest, um, the various types of protesting, um, protest action that has been going on on campus is that there, there, there is a sense of guilt or a sense of self-implication that people are not willing to, to recognize and acknowledge in themselves. And I'm talking particularly to the men at this stage. So it is not up to protesters or activists or survivors of sexual violence to make the movement a warm, fuzzy place where men can feel as though they are valued and included. It is up to men to step up to the plate and to add to their country to the, and to add their contributions. Um, and once we get that right that will aid the success of the movement itself. The movement is going on regardless. Um, and our, our, the aim of the movement is to eliminate rape culture. So that's the business of the movement. That's what we're, we're here to do. Um, and, and, and the question of inclusivity is more a question of, or it, it really has to do with, with people coming to the forefront. Because it is an inclusive space. People just need to be willing to include themselves. Hello, just uh, on on the issue of these men. So, are men down there? Do you know if they're discussing discussing some of these issues amongst themselves, or you know about about this sort of worry of um, self implication? Um, are they having conversations around around this stuff and whether they should support it or not, or of their views of this sort of thing, or are they just sort of quietly? Um, hoping that they don't get listed on this sort of list. Um, what, 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 how are the men sort of reacting or, or some of the men who aren't supporting this, do you know? 
Um, that's a bit of a complicated question because the men at this stage, you know, it's, it's either they're located in different places in the movement. So it's either they are outside the movement in the periphery or they sort of have their feet, you know, halfway um, into mm. the movement. What, what, what I've experienced, um, I think it was last week. Last week, there was a, 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 an open forum discussion um, on the lawns on campus where men could come together mm. and discuss uh, things or issues regarding rape, regarding sexual violence, cultures that enable this violence to happen. And men were saying the right thing, right? Mm. But with, with men saying all these all the things that, you know, one would like to hear, there's almost a, a, a tinge of dishonesty. And that dishonesty is inspired by the fear that men who think of themselves as speaking out will be implicated somehow in perpetuating rape culture or will be implicated and have their names included in the list, things like that. So it's almost as though men are talking and men are almost compelled to say the right things. But what we're missing is that honesty. What we're missing is a mm. man coming forward and saying, I've done A, B, and C, mm. and those are the ways that I've perpetuated the situation in which we find ourselves today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think men are, are, are scared of being accountable or, mm-hmm. or, or, or being held accountable. Um, but their honesty is necessary for the progression of this movement and yeah. for the progression in relation to, you know, the betterment of people's condition and eliminating um, the culture of sexual violence. Lalo, thank you very much. That's all the time we have for today. And thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Okay, we're just getting into the last portion of our show. And now we talk to the man who's sort of been quietly adding his deep baritone to the conversation. We're switching it up a little bit. We've got this guy here with the deep voice. <laughs> Absolutely. But As we I haven't been able to focus on. We've got Lee Molefi, creative strategist at Liberty Africa, who's working on something really interesting. Lee, right. before you get into the details, you have this strong wording sort of that you sent through to us, and it says, youth confidence in traditional democrat- democratic institutions is in decline. Absolutely, man. What do you mean by that? And I love that we actually go into that. Yeah. Particularly after the conversation about are you referenced, right? Because I mean, there it is. That is literally the answer for you. You know, the chapter two, uh, two one two is 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 about challenging how institutions are themselves uh, not gendered, and you know that is is a single case, but it speaks to um, the political energy that young people are showing more and more in challenging institutions and how institutions work. So um, you're absolutely right. Um, that is a core premise of the of hashtag two x, and I know you're going to explain what that is in a second. We, we will, but um, that is absolutely true. Young people are showing less and less confidence in that. Um, but we, as as VIP, we 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 think it's very important to harness the energy that young people are showing around issues that are directly relevant to them, and um, and and as we think an important part of challenging the way in the, the workings of institutions looks a lot like what we're seeing with the RU reference, yeah. and also a lot like using a vote. I mean, you're saying FISMA's full RU reference list is just manifestations of what you're saying that people are, and young people are fed up with the traditional way of doing things and the traditional way we know democracy. And you, together with VIP voting is power, have launched something that you just mentioned, hashtag 2x. Yeah. What on earth is hashtag 2x? Hashtag 2x is a campaign that seeks to amplify the use, the voices of young people, um, as the local government relations approach, uh, but also more generally. And, uh, very importantly, you know, and, and, and perhaps I should just quickly go to the, the etymology of hashtag 2x in itself. I mean, the hashtag represents, I mean, if we look at RU reference, we look at Feasmus 4, we look, you know, we look at so many movements and in fact, even lesser known movements than, than those, uh, you'll see lots of evidence of how young people are using conversations to switch up the political agenda. They're using conversations to move political discourse. Um, and you know, often we think of youth impacting politics, as strictly voter behavior, but we like to think of it as more than that. And if anything, we're, we're confident that the premise of hashtag 2x is that 
if we use con- we we can use conversations and we can use the mobilizing power that young people are showing using hashtags using conversations to make voting a little more meaningful and i'll give you an example mm. are you reference or you know many of these reference many of these movements and, and i'll start by actually referencing our reference yeah. for fears of you know app- appropriating something that i even as a heterosexual male uh, probably shouldn't be commenting on so loosely but it's it's there's 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 a lot of evidence of how um so so it, how injecting the injecting political discourse with new ideas can take place using those mediums so for a young person who's in a local community somewhere there exists the opportunity to mobilize himself and many others in their local communities around issues that are directly relevant to them and to be able to force the the relevant political representatives um into acting much like in many ways that we've seen the movements do so in 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 the past so i'm still confused what is hashtag 2x give us the elevator pitch right it is um you know and, and it's the mechanics of hashtag 2x is we have a portal that aggregates um comments from twitter um ussd whatsapp uh, facebook and other platforms into a single interface that could give you a near real time representation of what young people are talking about around the country mm-hmm. um so and 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 in addition to that you know Critically is that we have the digital elements of it, which are absolutely key, but also we have the real world elements of it. So in the case that a, a conversation flares up, for example, about uh, disabled persons access in the Eastern Cape, we would respond to that not only by amplifying that movement and amplifying that conversation, but also uh, getting involved in a real world sense. In, but also, for example, going out and having an activation in that place and speaking to the local young people about that. Um, and, and, and those are some of the mechanics of, 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 of hashtag 2x. As a broader campaign, it's a through the line campaign that includes radio, uh, that includes, um, um, real world, um, outdoor, um, uh, platforms that we want to use collectively to amplify anything that any given young person may begin to start a conversation about around the country in their local communities. And what's the core aim? It's, you're launching it ahead of the local government elections? Yeah. Core aim is to ensure that, and here's a key thing about the local government elections. Local government elections are real, are real life. This is where the policy impacts your everyday life. And we want the stories of how, of what life for the everyday South African, um, is from the young person themselves. That means better representation. And importantly, that means, um, the local government representatives are better, are held more accountable to the things that young people talk about, to the causes that young people um, want to advocate for in their local communities. We want to amplify anything and everything young people uh, want to galvanize uh, around in their local communities. We're running out of time, but we'll have to share all the details of the hashtag 2x campaign on our Twitter account. Absolutely. Um, so we'll share with live VIPZA and Limo Lefi at Limo Lefi. It's all on our Twitter. On our Twitter page. Thanks everybody who talked to us today. It's the Daily Maverick Show. We'll see you next week, same time, same place. Stay informed and up to date. It's the Daily Maverick Show, Tuesdays, 1 to 2 p.m. on cliffcentral.com.